The Halftone is brought to you by Ahorn Books, presenting Ahorn Paper, a new series of printed publications dedicated to artists' books. Each title in the series focuses on a specific book and features text and interviews that take a closer look at how a book is physically and narratively constructed. Ahorn Paper Number 1 is dedicated to Bottom of the Lake by photographer Christian Patterson and features contributions from Jerry Badger, Thomas Weskey, and Luke Sante, as well as a pair of interviews with the artist. To order Ahorn Paper, visit ahornbooks.com. That's A-H-O-R-N books.com. Welcome to the Halftone. Thanks for listening in. To those of you who have been here for the last few episodes and anyone new to the show, thanks as well to those of you who have written in. I love hearing from listeners. If you like the show, take a minute to rate us in iTunes, tell a friend, or drop me a line. I'm Eric at thehalftone.org. My guest today is Doug Dubois, a photographer known for his long-term projects. His first book, All the Days and Nights, is a visual memoir that spans 25 years and presents a shifting portrait of his own family as roles and relationships change over the course of decades. His most recent book is called My Last Day at Seventeen. The book was made in Cove, Ireland, and follows the lives of a group of teenagers over the course of five years, as they transition from childhood and into adulthood. Since the 1980s, Dubois has been a teacher of photography, and he is currently on the faculty at Syracuse University, and is also a part of the Limited Residency Photography Program at the Hartford Art School. His pictures are in many major collections, including the Museum of Modern Art in New York, the Getty Museum in Los Angeles, and the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, among others. Dubois is also the recipient of many fellowships, including grants from the Guggenheim Foundation, the McDowell Colony, and the National Endowment for the Arts. For more on Doug's work and books, you can follow the links on our website at thehalftone.org. And now, here's my talk with Doug Dubois. Do you travel around and shoot? Do you have assignments on these short little three-day jobs? No, no, I didn't have, no, I just, um, just, yeah, did the workshop and then um, did the book signing and then, you know, used the time a little bit in Italy to be in Italy. Yeah. You know, oh, it was course. great. I, I went right to on. The Prada Foundation, which is an incredible space. Thomas Demand curated an exhibition there. Um, I think it was called the Stolen Image, but it's br- in a very broad sense, and it was absolutely one of the smartest things I have seen in many years. It was, it was fantastic. Absolutely incredible. He's brilliant. Right on. Yeah. So slam back from Italy straight here. I had 24 hours at home, and oh then good. I was on a plane <laughs> here. Yeah. Just enough time to feed the cat. So the first, the first yeah. like day, I was, I'm still. I think I'm, I think I'm just about over jet lag, but um, yeah, it was a little. Well, tricky. do you get to go home from here? Uh, for poss, well, see now I'm battling. I, I, I might go shoot a job. I might. I, I'm part of this collective called um, Piece of Cake, mm-hmm. and they have a. a European group and a North American group, 
and uh, we there's twice a year there are workshops where you know people show each other work, etc. And um, last year I had, was all set to go. I forgot where it was, um, and they changed the date of my um, uh, being on press. You know, so I had to can I had to cancel, and now I'm debating whether to cancel again, which wouldn't be great, but whatever. You got to do what you got to do. Um, and it's it's this British music magazine, I think called The Wire. I think. Oh man, I love. Do you know, do you know well, this magazine? I know this magazine. When I was, I don't. Yeah. When I was in college, um, it was my, you know, rock journalism, you know, venue of choice. British-based, pretty out there, this sort uh -huh. of stuff. Who do they want you to photograph? They want me to photograph a jazz guy. And yeah. they had asked me a couple months ago, and yeah. I couldn't schedule it. But, um, <laughs> you know, the fact that I can maybe possibly meet some great musicians Hell yeah. is, yeah, is yeah, yeah, worth yeah. it for me. Um, I don't know. This guy's a young trumpet player, um, Nate. I think it was Nate Woolley was the name. I, l I quickly Googled him, but I haven't had time to try to have sure, a listen. Sure, sure. Um, and I haven't, been, I haven't been keeping up so well, so whatever. Well, neither do uh, I. Um, but, I, you know, so I'm debating. I, I, just to do it so I can do it and maybe do more. And I, I f There was a brief time where I photographed sort of pro bono for this um, jazz label called Smalls Records and um, loved it. I mean, I would just you know, go down there and just shoot it for nothing, whatever that, you know, needed. And, you know, half the time they didn't use the images or whatever, but it got, I, got to s I got to hang with these guys and I got to just listen to great music. And that's, you know, hell. Yeah. They could almost not pay me. Sure, sure. Spend some time with some amazing people. Yeah. yeah. The Wire's great. And um, good. I yeah. think that Brian's done some stuff. Shane Lavalette shot for them before and probably all sorts of other cats here and there. So you mentioned that you had to cancel a piece of cake meeting because you were on press. Is that for the new the new book that you just did? Yeah, that was for the Irish where'd book. You, where'd you print that That one? was printed in um, Amsterdam. Do yeah. you know uh, Matt Harvey at Aperture? Young guy production yeah. manager? Oh, yeah, yeah, right yeah. On. yeah. He's Matt, Matt is terrific. Yeah, he's another yeah. Uh, Virginian. Oh, yeah? And we got to know each other through, I wrote an article for, um, I don't know if it's Ahorn or Ahorn, German. Oh, yeah, Ahorn. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. About Walker Evans, like the physical history of American photographs and how the book has changed from when it was first printed in the 30s uh -huh. and then reprints and all this other stuff leading up till the 2012 75th anniversary, whatever. Right. But I wrote about it and all this minutia of printing, and Matt Harvey read it, I guess, and liked it and just sent me a note. But oh, we have he's, uh, a lot in common, aside from just happening to having been born near each other. But... uh He's also a jazz cat, and we kind of uh, overlapped on Pharaoh Sanders. Pharaoh uh, Sanders, yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Alice sure. Coltrane's sort of oh, free cut stuff. Nice. Christmas time, it turns out, is the time to listen to Pharaoh Sanders. Oh, if I had known <laughs> Matt was a jazz guy, I would have, like, yeah. we, we talked, you know, he didn't, um, yeah, he didn't work, works, well, we, you know, we went through the proofs together, and he was really terrific, worked really hard, and, you know, I think he's he has since moved on, um, but he's, yeah, he's a good one. He was a good one. I liked him a lot. I <laughs> bought him a bottle of gin. Because I felt bad about it. It screwed up. We had my assistant and I. We were like working. We we made this just really like amateur dumbass error on when we were resizing when we worked on the files and we were resizing them for the um, for the book. So we worked on full res files, you know, like sort of exhibition yeah, size, yeah. and then brought them down to their, their specs. And we, we wrote a, uh, an action, you know, to do it. So sure, we could automatically sure. do it. 
And somehow, you know, I don't know if it was, you know, ultimately it's my responsibility, but we, one of us missed the fact that we, um, we didn't keep, we didn't check the little thing that keeps it proportionally resizing. Oh, so shit. it just <laughs> slightly squished the images. And I didn't notice it. Whoa. Until I forgot what, what made me notice it, but something, oh, when I had this one panorama image. And when I ran the, um, when I, and so it was a, a completely different proportion from everything else. When I ran the script, it distorted it like crazy. And I said, no, 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 it shouldn't distort it. The script is right. Proportionally, it should just drop right in. And then I went back and I checked it and everything was just slightly distorted. Shit. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and I literally stayed, I had called the assistant to her credit, she came and we worked all night and we redid the entire book. And I had to send it to Aperture and say, guess what? All the work that's been done on those files has mm -hmm. to be redone Holy on shit. these files. And it was still quite a ways from, you know, I think it's just some initial separations had been done one round and they weren't, they weren't right. They weren't very good. So, I, you know, whatever. But everybody, it meant a chunk of work for everybody. Sure, totally. And so I felt really bad. And you're on crunch time when you're on press, oh, right? Man, I've never know. done it. I mean, yeah, I visited, yeah, yeah, but it's really I mean, you get really a slot, pressure. right? But yeah. I, I, you know, yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, he fixed it. And Fuck. That, and I felt I owed him. So I, <laughs> I, I asked Leslie. I said, okay, yeah. what is he? You know, was he? Oh, she was like, he's a gin guy. I said, okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Leslie Martin, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right on. Because right I felt on. really bad. Yeah. I'm gonna ask him about that gin, and if there's some left, I gotta have some of it too. The gin from the. The gym from Amsterdam. What do they have? Is it not? It's no, not. no, we didn't get it from Amsterdam. Oh, I'm this, sorry. this is like well, well before that, but um, I, I can't remember where I got them. But they do have, yeah, Geneva is is or Geneva. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it, but it's a it's a sort of precursor to um, British gin, American British gin. Right British on. Gin. Yeah. So you're so. skipping. You might get to go home. I was just going to say that if you're jet lagged and you just keep getting thrown off by meetings and all this shit, like if you go home, at least you're in the same slice of the time zone, right? Right. You just go right. north. Right. Up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, that, no uh, is that where you grew up? Did you grow up around New York? No, well, I grew up in Jersey. Yeah. So yeah. not far. My father worked in the city. and um, What did he do? He was a banker. Right on. And uh, so he commuted every day. And I lived in the suburbs, the Jersey suburbs. Yeah, w what did your mom do? My mom was a mom. I mean, she, she was trained as a nurse, um, but throughout my childhood, she was a stay-at-home mom. You right. Know, sort of, you know, of that generation, so sure, to speak. Sure, sure. You know. And uh, brothers and sisters? Uh, older sister, younger sister, and a younger brother. And uh, what about them? What do they do? Art photographers uh, as well? No, no. My, uh, my eldest sister is a... Um, Minister, and my uh, younger sister is a sort of school teacher. Yeah, and my brother is actually a composer, musician, artist, brilliant dude. He's right actually on. he's kind of a big deal. Oh yeah, in in the in the world of a, a sort of electronic, digital, both art, visual art, and music. Uh, he writes software. Um, but also produces for, you know, has, and has worked with brilliant people from Kronos Quartet to, oh, um, man. you know, Bang on a Can and all, all that, that, that sort of um, 
crew of sort of, I don't know, sometimes they're called contemporary classical, but that's a bad, that's not a good description of the genre. Um, but yeah, he's brilliant. He's actually, he's really brilliant. Homework really for me. Prolific. Yeah, yeah, check him yeah, out. Totally. Check him out. Did you, uh, were you the guy for him, exposing him to music and stuff? God, you'd have to ask him. Yeah. Um, maybe somewhat. You know, I think so. Um, I'd like to take some credit for it, but I don't know how much. Um, he, you know, when he, he's considerably younger than, he's 15 years younger than me. Yeah. So by the time he was five, you know, I was oh out, shit. Of, I was yeah, out yeah, of the yeah. house. And so I didn't see him as much. But did you leave your record collection behind? I did, actually. <laughs> um, and he, and also my parents moved to London, where my father sort of retired from. And so he really grew up in, he grew up in London. And I think that, I think the city of London yeah. and that milieu yeah. was really, really what just sort of, you know, moved him in that direction. So your family moved to London, and I guess that's around the time that you're out of the house. What did you do when you left? Did you go to school? Yeah, I was in grad, you know, graduate. Oh, by the time they moved to London, I was, um, I think I was already just starting to teach. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're on your way. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was, yeah. Yeah, I was well out of the house. Right on. Did you, so any photographers in the family? How did How did you get all... How'd you get? How'd you get the camera? <clears throat> my grandmother says she bought me my first camera, which I think was like a plastic, Instamatic film yeah. camera. Is thing. it like the one ten Instamatic with the cartridge? Yeah, it was probably was yeah. something like that. I don't. I don't. Really, I mean, I remember sort of having it, but the 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 sort of moment where I really started to think about photography was. Um, I had a very good friend, sort of my best friend in, um, I grew up with. Um, his father was a teacher and my, um, my friend, you know, he came, came down, he had, he had, um, uh, cancer, uh, around 14, 15. And so he couldn't, he couldn't do much. Yeah. Um, as he was recovering from chemotherapy and whatever. And, you know, he, he, his his but his level of curiosity of the world and and things just grew exponentially like the less he could do in terms of getting out and about the more his mind just sort of enlarged and engaged everything from music to art to everything and so we would hang out and just listen to weird music yeah and look at books yeah and his father i i don't remember exactly but he indul you know built him a dark room and you know cameras oh, yeah, and, and yeah. once that happened i was like wow and then we were hanging out and i we were digging through i don't know snooping through a closet and i found an old camera that was my father's and that i think he bought when he was in the navy mm -hmm. and it was a rangefinder it was an agfa rangefinder but yeah. the shutter was broken but he fixed it and we started photographing together and this and is then how my, old oh, you're in like high school I'm like yeah. 15 16. yeah 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 and he built a dark room. He helped me build a dark room. You know, and just the thing, you know, a room in a basement. That's all it took, right? Sure, sure. Right? And a sink. And and we did photographs together, you know. Um, we were just two nerdy kids making pictures and listening to weird music. Um, we discovered, I think I discovered around that time, radio station, 
the station in Jersey called WFMU, which oh, is Freeform shit. Radio. Yeah, they're great. They're and still yeah, around. They're, yeah, they're still they're the around, best. Right? They're the and fucking I had, best. I just stumbled into it. So you're 15. It. You're I'm in like the, 15 reading, <laughs> listening to WFMU. Yeah. None of my friends, right, you know, right. except for this one kid. That's bro. all you need. Oh, you just need bro, that one guy. We were just these two weirdos oh, listening man. to weird, freaky music, yeah. trying to make pictures, oh, fuck. looking at whatever art books you can find in suburban New Jersey at sure, the library. Sure, sure. That's the best. That's, that's that's how it best. began. I mean, I sort Man, of, I sort of owe it, it to him. Yeah, <laughs> you're done yeah. for at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, 15, yeah. and then yeah, that was it. Shit, man. So, yeah. Oh god. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. WFMU. W- they played F- the weirdest F- shit oh, and like man. the best it, shit. It was incredible. Like, there are still eye-opening. like the weirdest. Like there there are little nuggets even from their blog that have bitten me that I will never forget. Like this dude Zeb Scott. They put up some single, and there's this song, You Got the Style, and it's just like he can barely fucking play. Uh-huh. And he can he totally can't sing, but he wrote a hook. It's just, n- really? I mean, that's just the sort of yep. stuff. Yep. And then, like, other things, like, there's that crazy, you got to break through the gate, bro. It's this weird call. It's like uh-huh. a 45-minute phone call between two guys about oh, yeah? one guy whose car gets a boot on it. And his car keeps getting the boot because his roommate keeps nodding off on heroin. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's like the sort of thing that guys listen to or they're on tour together. But it's right, right. another like beautiful thing that I will always remember because of WFMU. Yeah. They're, they're just it, the best. It was the best. It was amazing. Yeah. It was Man. amazing. So, yeah. So what's the, um, I mean, uh, when do you start to, you know, really find a thread through photography i guess like the history of photography or particular photographers like who were your guys early on well i mean you know what uh, you know in high school i did yearbook pictures and whatever yeah. but i did i did um try to look at photography my father bought a, a cartier brisson book home it was at that brisson actually did i think it's called man and machine and i believe ibm commissioned it I'm not positive this this would be in the late 70s and and early 80s and he late 70s and he he got a copy probably as being passed around where he worked or whatever it was very nice and he got to come brought it home to me and i didn't know anything about brisson but i loved the pictures because there was they were they were so i would sit down with my friend brooke our two nerds we 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 would make up stories Mm -hmm. about the pictures that's what we do we would look through the book and we would invent stories about each picture and then I started reading, um, I think I went to our local library and I started looking, I think there was a Beaumont Newhall sure. book. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I started to read about it. I even bought On Photography when it first came out. Susan Soth, I didn't understand like 90% yeah. of it. I didn't know the references. Sure. But all of that began to, op- you know, point me toward these, w- these worlds that existed sure. outside of my sort of, you know, very just kind of banal suburban existence. And um, also the other thing that like, our friend and I, we would st- we would look at the l- TV listings. This is all before, you know, this is how old I am. This is, you know, there's no cable, there's no nothing. Yeah. You know, but late at night, starting at about 1 a.m., midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., the PBS station would play foreign films. The only way you could see them, right? Yeah. And we would stay up. I, you know, one of us always fell asleep. Like, I, s- I fell asleep to great films, you know. Um, but... I still fall but asleep too. Yeah, yeah, you know, subtitles, things, yeah. and right. you just can't do it, right? But the four hundred blows, you know, Fuck. I remember seeing yeah. that. I was, yeah. like, I think, I was fifteen. And I, oh WFMU, four hundred blows, yeah. Cardia Brisson. You're yeah. getting it all packed in early, man. It was, yeah, well, you know, it was naive. I didn't yeah. really know what I was doing, but it's the best. But, but it was really, it was great. Yeah, yeah. it was you, great. You don't even know 
to be that you could be critical of it. It's just there. To it's just there. Fucking it's love. There. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. great. So I was, you know, lucky that way. I was yeah. lucky in that sense. And then I went to college. Um, Where'd you go to college? I went to Hampshire College, uh, which is a uh, it's in Western Mass. Yeah. And um, it was an it's actually it's a non non traditional school. There's no grades. It started in the seventies, and it was a uh, college that came out of a consortium of Amherst, UMass, Holyoke, and Smith, and they, in, they, in, you know, it was, a, again, a very 60s, 70s ideal. It was essentially an experimental college, and it's still very much in existence, and kind of an amazing place. Um, Ken Burns came out of that first okay, class. Right and, on. So, and um, the photography program, again, I didn't know what I was walking into, but I liked the idea of it. I didn't really know what I wanted. To, I actually knew I wanted to be an artist, but my parents being, again, it's a generation, you know, my, you know, my parents, you know, they grew up in the 30s, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, when they were kids, young, young kids, and their parents instilled in them that, you, you know, you've got to get a job because, you know, it can get bad. And, right, you know, right. I grew up in a relatively privileged existence, so that's not in my consciousness. And it was, I think, also of that certain generation that it shouldn't be in your, in your children's consciousness. You want them to grow up in better circumstances. And so, but, but they, they were still like, look, art is great, but you need something practical, you know, yeah. you need to get, you know. But they were liberal enough in the sense that they felt like if I got a good liberal arts education, I'd be fine no matter what I wanted to do. So art school was not gonna happen. And I didn't even know what it meant, art school. Yeah. You know, because public high school, we had a terrible art program. Mm -hmm. And Same so, year, yeah. you know, I didn't know. And I, I, mean, I would imagine there weren't uh, nearly as many photo MFAs out there no, at the time. No, either. I just, yeah, I was, a, I was geeky. I, li I liked to draw, but I didn't, I didn't know what a portfolio, I didn't do any of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, um, but there was this weird school, Hampshire. I can't, I can't remember how I found out about it. And um, were they advertising on WFMU? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> I really don't know how I found out about it. And um, but you know, as luck would have it, they had. I mean, it had uh, the the photo program was started by this guy Jerome Liebling. Oh Jerome yeah, Liebling oh goes shit. Back to yeah, like yeah. the photo league. Totally. Right? So you know, again, I don't know. Elaine Mays was there for at least one year that I was there. Yeah. And there was a photographer, it's now more of a filmmaker, this guy Abraham Rivette, who's a, a sort of an avant-garde filmmaker, um, was also there. And that's what I came up in. Damn, man. Know? So it was a pretty, you know, ver very much a documentary tradition, um, but something that was really well-informed and really smart. And I had, you know, everybody in Hampshire was kind of brilliant and a little whacked, you know. Because it was a school that hadn't, you know, you got narrative grades. So if you transfer, you have nothing. <laughs> they go, a, a grade point average, you don't yeah. have one. Right, but they just call right? you up they and say, how's this guy? They just have a guy? lot of pieces of paper yeah. that have, like, some professor writing a narrative about what you did in class. And you had, to invent, you had invented your own program yeah, um, in your own major. Um, it was more like graduate school. You would have a committee, and, and you... Um, had meetings and you designed your own thesis and you designed your own coursework and that's how it rolled. So mom and dad wanting um, something more practical, you wanting to be an artist, what did you carve out for yourself? I made I made pictures and yeah. I made photographs. Yeah. Um, and I don't know that they really quite got what that was. I think my mother's vision of an artist was I turned into Van Gogh and cut my ear off. Oh, and okay. you know, my father's was, you know, 
very middle brow, again, perfectly understandable. But they did indulge, and so they, they did take me to, you know, I remember being young going to, like, art museums. They would take us to the Met, yeah, you yeah. know? And so, and they would occasionally buy a few books, and it was all, it was all great. Um, I was, you know, again, they were, they were really, um, they were really indulgent in all the best ways. That's great. Um, so, was, you know, I was lucky. Yeah. How was, what's Liebling like? Is he still around? Liebling. Liebling, um, I'm sorry. No, he died, I'm thinking, f- around five years ago, maybe yeah. six years ago. Yeah. Um, he was intimidating. He was a presence. Um, he, like, a meeting with him, you'd sit in his office, you'd whatever chat, and, were, and he had a huge book collection, so photo books also. He would let it. He would leave his office open so people could look at photo books. Yeah. He had a better collection yeah. than the library yeah. at Amsterdam did at that time. And but a meeting would be whatever you chat about the work, and he would say something, tell a story or whatever. And then he would just get on the phone and yeah. make a call. Hmm. And you didn't know what I. You're like, are, are we done? It was the it was the weirdest experience. He was very intimidating at times, but I'll never forget. Uh, but he would do great lectures. Because a he knew people. I mean, he goes. He knew everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I remember. W- I never forget when he showed me. Fuck August. August Sander. Oh I yeah. Was floored. I was floored. What was the? Do you remember one? What's the one that comes oh, to mind? I you know I don't know. I think it. I think it was the the head to toe figure in just enough space to give it you know presence. Not only just the figure, but the also the the room or the location or you know the field or whatever. It was the whole thing spoke, and yeah, it's weird I've how I've never seen anything like that. They're all like archetypes. It's insane. Mm-hmm. You know, the baker comes to mind for me. Yeah, absolutely. The baker and the banker, yeah. but um, yeah, it's just knockout stuff. Yeah, uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And that, yeah, yeah it's that was a, what Jerry. A, one of those things where you're like, how, how, how did he do that? How do you do that? I feel that way with Strand. Whenever I look at Strand, I'm like, oh, what the hell the fuck is he doing this? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's it's incredible. So, and he was, a, you know, and his work was absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, absolutely amazing. So, you know, and you know, Helen Levitt came through. I mean, you oh know, we, shit, we got. Man. Jeez. I, I actually rode in a car with her, fuck. helped drive her up from New York. Fuck. I mean, you she's know, like one of those people who I have unbelievable respect and admiration for who left uh, I mean great work but like there's very little trace of like interviews or mm-hmm. her own writing or any of that mm-hmm. stuff she was like a ghost mm-hmm. and yeah, yeah. that's yeah. incredible man someone uh, the person to talk to is Tom Roma yeah Tom Roma was really good friends with her Shit. played poker with her oh right that's right I've heard of this oh, making he can, a movie about the poker tell. group right oh yeah who is? I don't know. I saw it on YouTube. It's like somebody's making a documentary about here. the fucking poker well, group that Helen Levitt had. We brought, uh, there was a Helen Levitt exhibition in, in Syracuse, and, and uh, the museum asked me, you know, do you know anybody that knows something about Helen, could do a talk? I said, yeah, Tom Roma. He came out, and he just had the audience, like, just, you know, enraptured. Because he's a great, he's a raconteur. Oh, yeah. And so um, it was hilarious, and it was absolutely amazing. It was great. It was great. So. Get He's the on one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would be. He would be tremendous. Fuck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She was. Well, what was she like? I mean, in in the brief we talked about jazz. Had, you oh know, yeah, again. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. because she was a she was also that's a generational thing. But she was a jazz, and I you know, wanted to know about James Agee and you know all of that stuff and Walker. You know, and yeah, she just, sure. You know, and then she she was know, there. And just took a nap. You know, she's like, 
Mm. Well, how old was she then? When like probably ancient? in her eighties yeah. at that point, yeah, or seventies, maybe late seventies. She lived point. forever. She lived well like into her nineties. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what is it the hypo that preserves these people. I don't, <laughs> I don't, know, I don't know about that. I don't know. And she, um, I mean, did she keep shooting? I'm familiar with yeah, the, yeah. The yeah. She she photographed uh, she photographed a lot in color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've there was a that. theft. Oh of yeah. Most of her work that occurred sometime, I believe, either in the early '80s or in the '70s. I don't understand. And a chunk of her all. work vanished. Um, but what the fuck are you gonna do with it was that? Mostly the color work. And I think she was shooting on chrome, and it was gone. It's gone. But it's like if you're like. If you know who Helen Levitt is well enough to say, I'm going to steal from her, then what are you going to do with you this know, amazing archive of it, shit? But it was hard to say that it wasn't like some, whatever, junkie broke in and just yeah. grabbed whatever. Yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Said, what the fuck is this shit? And yeah. just tossed it. Right. Right. Who knows? And we'll find it in the storage locker yeah. somewhere someday. Yeah. But Jesus Christ, man, that's that's a crime. For yeah. sure. Who knows what's out there? There's all that color. I mean, uh, the little bit that's out there. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's great work. She's yeah. amazing. I love the hot dog stand. I right. think of the hot dog stand and the, pin, the fat that kid with the belly hanging out next to the <laughs> leaning on the pinball machine. <laughs> I know that picture, yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just so good. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, graduate school. That graduate school. What, what a, oh, I mean, I'm sorry, undergrad. Yeah, undergrad, college. Yeah, that yeah. sounds bonkers, Yeah, it was, it was good. It was good. No, no one was just as lucky in graduate school. Well, what know? happened then? Where'd you get for graduate school? Well, I, I, I only got into one school, which was the Art Institute in San Francisco, and I applied with the be very beginning of my family work was yeah. a chunk of it. Yeah. And But at that time, it had stories written underneath. So in the, in the exhibition, I just had an aperture, which is a, sort of a retrospect-like thing. I, um, the family work actually follow the edit of the book and actually use the prints that were um, the analog C prints was the last analog C prints I ever made um, for the book um, the reproduction prints so they're small but the first four are the very very original faded C prints from the 80s which have handwriting my father writes a story about commuting under the picture of him commuting my mother you know and because I stumbled on right before I was going to apply for graduate school I stumbled on um, Rich and Poor I didn't know Jim Goldberg or anything but I, that book somehow the the notion of a sort of collaborative portrait you know is still enthralled with, and we still enthralled with you know Zonder and portraiture was sort of a thing I was very interested in but the idea that there was a, a way to make that image somehow collaborative I think really spoke to me um, and so I tried it you know, yeah. of course what I tried on who's going to tolerate sure. you know, <laughs> writing it three times you know or whatever it was in my family my little brother you know he was around whatever seven at the time you know his his writing meanders up and down is really kind of beautiful um, so that was part of my portfolio and whatever stuff you know, a bunch of color prints. And um, I had, well, see, the, the, the other great thing is that, you know, I got to, I've rec relatively recently got to know Tom Roma fairly yeah. well, but he yeah. was, he was, he was the one that interviewed me at Yale. Oh, yeah. Oh, it just tore me to shreds. And um, so that didn't go well. I think I was at, I went to Sh the Art Institute in Chicago, and I believe, I believe it was. Baldessari was there at the time. Oh, shit. He was, was he he's very nice, but I was a little <laughs> clueless. I wasn't that hip. Was he and seven feet tall then? Yeah. <laughs> I, 
just remember the, w- yeah. the white hair and right. you know um and but but san francisco and who was there was larry sultan yeah and you sure. know i didn't know anything about him mm-hmm. um and so yeah i got in and i got to work with larry and then i got to know jim who was you know from san francisco really well and I imagine that's a great place to be for a couple of years. It was great. Yeah. You know, it was again. It was really yeah. S- for whatever reason, yeah. I had I had great mentors, and in between, I printed for Mitch Epstein. Oh and shit! So I learned everything I know about color comes from him. Yeah. And printing his work, and again, he was very generous because I was really learning how to print well with his work, and he was patient you know demanding patient but you know allowed me to make a lot of bad prints yeah. you know go through a lot of paper um until i got it right and you know so it's good so i've been lu- i've been very lucky yeah that that's uh, quite a line up there doug <laughs> so when you were um when you were in san francisco i guess you're working on your own stuff you said you just started the family stuff but i guess you're doing well right you know. before i left um for san francisco i had gotten in um my father fell from the uh a commuter train yeah and that's yeah. that the accident which is in the sure book. sure and um and so i moved that summer before i left to california i moved back home just to help my mother out yeah and that, absolutely you know. and i lived at home for almost like at that point it was whatever six or seven years it was hard it was yeah. hard to be at home yeah I, and everything was hard but so i started photographing i just photographed because i didn't, didn't know what else to do and it helped keep me sane and i just I'll brought bet. all that work to california yeah because I, I hadn't really looked at it i just brought a, i don't know a ton of rolls of film yeah and that's what i started to work on so what were you shooting with and what film Shooting with at that time, um, I used um, this is this is Mitch's influence. Um, uh, six by nine, yeah, Fuji six by nine, yeah. That was his camera at the time, and he let me borrow it. And, it, and at the time, it really was the most affordable, the affordable, you know, good medium format camera. Yeah, because they were fixed lenses, mm-hmm. and um, it was great. I still have one of them. One got stolen, um, and then I, I, no, I didn't. I don't think I had a Leica then. But eventually, I got a Leica, yeah. a used Leica. And Which one did you get? I think it was an M4. Okay. And um, used that. Um, but mostly the Fuji. The Fuji was the camera. So that, that for, for a long, long, long time. Yeah. Like 10 years, easily. Now, this is still early, but through that project, you know, which <coughs> goes, what, 25 years or so? Mm-hmm. Is it a mix of those two? You know, 35? No, the, the, I mean, the, the, book and the work really there were there's about seven or so years where i didn't photograph them at all and then when i re-engaged it yeah i started i was working six seven and with a four by five okay right so it was on. a different kind little yeah. different kind of photography and it was lighting and you know i mean all i knew at that time when i first started i didn't, I didn't even use a flash I didn't even know how to use a flash but then i discovered bounce flash right so everything was like bounce yeah. flash. Then I discovered, oh, you could keep the shutter open. You can actually see my lighting improve yeah. <laughs> throughout that work and get an ambient light. And you know, it's an know. interesting, you know, I mean, aside from being quite a memoir about w- you and your family and and things, a way to share what was going on. I mean, it's also a, an evolution of you as yeah, a photographer. Yeah, that's, a, that's definitely nuts. this one thing about that book is one of the threads or a subtext is, is absolutely the way I change as a photographer. 
um, just both as a photographer, but also as a photographer looking at their family. So when I'm 20, when I'm in my 20s and I'm trying to photograph my father, it's a very different relationship to my father than when I'm, you know, in my 40s photographing my father. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I can just, I just see him differently. Um, and, you know, it was really interesting when, when I was making the family work and Larry was doing it too, um, and Larry was starting to work on a book and I helped make the prints for the book and I yeah. helped print it as print his um first exhibition I think at, at MoMA. You know, we would I was working for a printer at that time in California and who was also a very generous man and let me do my own work at night. Yeah. You know, yeah. in the lab. Mm-hmm. Um and uh Larry we, we we essentially rented the dark he rented the dark room, the lab where I worked and we would print on the weekends together. And it was extraordinary. It was great, you know. Um, because we, it was just the things that we would talk about, you know, um, and I really learned a lot just being with Larry, those, those whatever, five or six weekends that we worked on these prints. Yeah. Um, and he was beginning to develop this book, you know, edit it. And he's like, well, you know, why haven't you done a book? I mean, you know, you could do a book. And I just said, Larry, I don't, I don't think I understand my work yet. I mean, you're, you know, you're 15 years older than me. You know, he had the relationship that I, I kind of needed, that, that you know, the age, the maturity. Yeah. And I, I couldn't see it. My pictures were knew more than I did. And I kind of knew that at the time. And I couldn't wrap my brain around putting it together. Um, but, yeah. But, but once I reengaged the work, I realized I had to put it together as a book. Yeah. And so the, the pictures made in the second half of the book are often made with the earlier pictures in mind, some of them are direct references. And I was, a, you know, again, a photographer, you know, I just took control more until many of them, they're very much set up, very, you know, really posed, they're much more stylized than the earlier ones where I was trying to figure it out. Yeah. You know, trying to figure out the difference between do that or let's, or do it again or, and catching it and, recognizing a picture you know you're still you're still recognizing what's a picture or maybe what's your picture because i you know i tell my students like this you know we really we really don't make photographs we make photographs of photographs everything that you say oh that's a picture that's a good picture is because it looks like another picture right that on. you've seen yeah. and um you have to recognize that and sometimes you have to push against it but you can also use it there's no original picture out there. All pictures reference each other. So, you know, I had to figure out what mine were, you know, and how to get to them. Yeah. You, um, in the afterword of the book, I noticed that you mentioned Sharon Rupp, who is another one oh, of those yeah. people who oh, Sharon is sort great. of isn't out there. Sharon. I've seen, you know, like a four dozen of her pictures, but mm-hmm. her shit blows my mind. Sharon, what um, is her deal? Sharon was, so when I was an undergrad, when I was at Hampshire, they had a brief MFA program. I think it lasted one round of students. Sharon Rupp was one of the um, graduate students. And um, so we, beca- we became friends. I'm like 20, and I think Sharon at that time might have been in her 40s. Yeah. And, um, you know, her, her work was beautiful. You know? And Sharon was friends and would go out and photograph with Helen Levitt. Oh, really? And okay, um, that explains, I mean, yeah. I don't know if it explains anything, <coughs> but oh, I can't say I'm surprised, but... The connection, for Jeez sure. Jeez Louise, man. So, 
So Sharon and I have stayed in touch since then. Yeah. And Sharon is really special. And, um, I, you, you, you know, you're not the only one. There's like, what's, you know, what's the deal? Yeah, where's the book? She lives in Western Mass. She has, she has gone through, I don't know how many maquettes of the book. She, and she just, you know, whatever. They can't let it go or, what, you know. So what's what's the scope of the book? Is it retrospective? Is it pulling from everything? Is she doing? Yeah, it would be pulling f- pulling from everything. Yeah. I mean, somebody somebody has to have the sort of fortitude and the trust with her, which I don't think is impossible, to sit down and really dig through an archive. Yeah. Uh, with her, and it will take a commitment, but somebody should do it. I can't wait. I'd somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who? You. <laughs> Go do it. You gotta start writing emails. Yeah, 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 no. Um, Dear Sharon. Do you know Susan Worsham? I do know Susan well, Worsham. Susan, Susan was asking me about sh- about Sharon Rupp, and I actually yeah. got them together. Yeah. And I remember Sharon going, well, this Susan woman is like, you know, I liked her and all. And, and, um, and yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, yeah. I couldn't do it. I would drive, you know, I, well, I love her dearly. It would drive me crazy. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, she that's that's she, some she is special. Yeah, that is she some. Is special. Uh, it 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 strikes the it plucks the chord. It it sings to me or whatever you know. Yeah. Like that's that's some good work. Yeah, she lives in Western Mass. Yeah, yeah she has this fantastic, really beautiful ha- home, and she, yeah, she's doing fine. Yeah, yeah. Go and visit her. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to meet yeah. a person like that. Yeah, yeah she's uh. Yeah. Who can say what she's like? I can't. But um, yeah, yeah, totally interested in talking to someone like that, and I. I remembered um, recently looking through the credits that when I met, I've only met Susan once, but when I met her, we were talking about Susan, I mean, uh, Sharon, because Susan had interviewed her for Ahorn. Right. That was, that yeah. was the connection that I helped make Great. Know, for the, right the interview, I think, for Ahorn. Yeah, yeah and she was saying yeah. that uh, Doug and I were talking about how Sharon should do a, a light work residency and yeah. get a book yeah. together. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. Please. Make it happen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. So you were saying that um, you were doing some commercial printing. Is that after mm-hmm. graduate school? It was during. That's how I uh, essentially, you know, funded, paid my rent. Right. Is I worked in this really wonderful lab um, that, yeah, did commercial. You know, we worked for, like, fashion, a couple fashion houses. And well, that's was cool. It wasn't a walk-in place. Yeah. And photographers yeah. and whatever, architects, that kind of stuff. And I learned. I really learned how to print. Really, so I learned speed. I mean, I was pr- I was a good printer, mm-hmm. but th- that you know, printing every day or fi- four days a week, and having to you know just having to do it, you learn speed. And yeah. was, I got really good. I bet that's really yeah, valuable. Doing that's your own good. stuff, you just crank yeah, it was it out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was a good C printer when I was uh, sort of in my prime. Yeah. I was, I was yeah. fast and pretty accurate. Yeah. And I'll bet you handled all sorts of different formats and mm-hmm. learned mm-hmm. everything there mm-hmm. could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, what did you do when you finished with with school? What was after school? Um, well, I was you know I was in San Francisco. I I never had I never had ambitions to be any kind of like shooter, like editorial shooter or anything. Never. I mean, I was too neurotic for that. Um, the idea sort of terrified me. So I figured I could be a printer. I was good at yeah. that. And yeah. I was printing at the lab. Um, but I also liked, you know, I liked the notion of teaching. You know, I admired the people who were my mentors. Hell right? yeah. I was like yeah. the way Larry Larry lived his life and worked. And, 
you know, so at Hampshire and all of that, I said, you know, I, I think I can do this. It's got to be good to see, you know, have some models. Yeah, yeah, they were, yeah. they were, you know, and they were, they were seriously committed artists, and they were really good teachers. And I said, wow, you know. So I think about a year after out of grad school, I started putting applications out, and um, you know it. Typical application asks for you know some syllabi and yeah. you know I had never taught right I had never you know at the art institute you didn't they didn't give you TAs or you could do a TA but you didn't really teach you just sort of helped whatever and um, so I invented syllabi out of whole cloth and then when they asked for s your student work yeah. I got my friends to give me their work oh and I lied <laughs> I love this, this I lied I said I said oh yeah I taught this class and it yeah. was like pure invention something I never taught yeah. And I just made up, and you know, but it was like basic black and white. I could like work it out, and um, and yeah, there were my friends' slides that said, that said we're my students, and so I got I uh, got offered a job in New Mexico at the New Mexico State University, not UNM right. in Albuquerque, yeah, but yeah. in in the South in Las Cruces, mm -hmm. and they didn't have a photo program, and so I started it and literally built it, Damn. you know, and. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I was like 27. Trial by fire. 27. I, I was just walking there. I mean, you know, I would get in a line for a faculty, and they would say, excuse me, this is for a faculty, you know, because yeah, I'm, right, like, right, right. I, I yeah, look yeah. like I'm, I'm just a kid. I'm only you a few years old. start pulling out your ID older. card. I yeah. know, it was pretty hilarious. Um, but they were actually, it's actually a very, it says, in fact, I'm, I'm the show that, that just closed at Aperture is going to go yeah. to that gallery. Oh, you shit. Know, it's going to travel there, and I'm going to go. Full I haven't circle. been back since I left. That's great. And so it's really sweet. And the people there were really, it was great. It was a tiny little ag school. Yeah. And they had a really small but very tight, um, really earnest, really great little art program. You know, every there was like sort of one person in every, it was like one painter, sure, or one sure. sculptor, or one, yeah. you know, it was like 12 people maybe. Um, but they were great. It was a great place for me to start. And um, begin. Um, it was a hard place for me to live. I did not take to that part of the country. It was too isolating. Yeah. And I'm not, you know, the landscape is really beautiful and amazing, but I can't make a landscape photograph to save my soul. I just wander around until I lose the light and then yeah. I give up and I go home. And it's terrible. Well, at least it gets a good hike in. It's just, <laughs> no, I just can't do it. I don't know what it is. How long did I, you last I, I out there? I think I need walls. Oh, yeah. I need to know I can't, I can only go that far in that direction, and I hit the wall. So, you know, it's like in this room, right? I can only bounce around between the walls like so many times, and then I got to pick a picture. Yeah. Out in the world, man, I'm just wandering all over. Oh. I never know when to stop to take the picture. Yeah. It's terrible. Well, I think Robert Adams said something about landscapes. Like, part of it is just knowing when to stop the car. No shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and that's my problem. That's my problem. Yeah. So how long were you in New Mexico? Of six years. Yeah. I was tenured. I was tenured. Yeah. And, oh, and, and um, I got offered a job, uh, a one-year gig at MassArt, and uh, invited there. And once I got back to the East Coast, I realized I can't, I can't go back to the desert. Yeah. So I just can't. So I quit. I quit. I gave up tenure. And um, I took a three-year gig at Syracuse. And I ended up for a variety of reasons, sort of taking over the program. And um, been there ever since. Yeah, how long is that now? <sighs> long, six, 17 years, something uh, like okay. that. Okay, cool. Longer than I care to admit. Yeah, um, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I'm no, just there's nothing curious. wrong with it. It's <laughs> just like, 
you know. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But Syracuse, I mean, you know, the city is tough. It's a tough city. It's actually, you know, I mean, I mean, seriously tough city is is one of the poorest. I think it has. It is the highest concentration of minorities living un living below the poverty line in oh the country. Yeah. In oh the shit. country. And it's, it's really, it's got every, it's a, it's a full-on Rust Belt city, but, you know, just smaller scale. Yeah. Um, but it's also very diverse, um, but it's poor. Yeah. Um, the university is really, is really good, um, but really what keeps me there uh, is light work. Yeah. You know, light work wasn't there, I wouldn't be there. And the people of light work and those facilities and how they keep pushing themselves as an institution and all of that. You know, I can't. I, I go anywhere else. I'm actually. I know. No matter where I go, it's going to be less than that. There, I don't think yeah. there's any any yeah. institution in the country, in terms of you know just photography, that can match what goes on there. And it, it's been a benefit to my work. It's, it's been a way that I can teach. You know, between you know like talk, you know Shane and Jeff Jeffoon and um, John Mannion, who's a really great printer. We can do whatever the hell we want. You know. I mean, we, we just, if we want to get together and bring out anybody or decide, you know, we just do it. It's great. It's that is really great. It's incredible. Yeah. So I'm very lucky, and, I, and that feels really good. And that, yeah, that's what keeps me. Doing some great stuff up there. Oh, well, they are. Yeah, yeah, they're doing. How really long has that place been around? Oh, since the 70s. Okay. I think it, I think right it had on. its 40th anniversary or 45th. I don't remember. Not that long ago. Yeah, it's a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So not to... We kind of skipped over it earlier, but you said that you had applied to Yale, and I did too. And uh, how was your interview? It was great, and I didn't get in. Um, <laughs> I actually, I was, uh, yeah, I remember it really well, um, and I won't talk about it too much. But I, you know, I interviewed with all of the first was, year students: there, like, Papa George, Papa Benson, excuse me, <coughs> Pilson, Crutzen. Oh yeah, John Pilson is a, is a very nice yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're really all. Nice I mean, I guess what you Todd can hear is mellowed. Yeah, I've uh, heard you can hear all sorts of stuff about about yeah. uh, Papa George, but Benson is unbelievable. He's mm. he's one of my heroes, and the reason I was really thinking about going to Yale. But um, it was fun. It was like an interview with all the first year students, and then the three guys don't know where Crutzen was, but we just talked and looked at work, and it was I don't know twenty minutes long, and mm -hmm. I walked out of there feeling amazing, and then nothing happened. So <laughs> who can say? I don't yeah. know. I mean, it's not all all interview, but. Yeah, um, you know, one thing that happened was that there's a big transition after he left, and Papa George left, Benson left. So what I was signing up for, which was to spend time with those guys, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have gotten because... True enough, yeah. And yeah. then I can only imagine, even if the person taking over has been there for a long time, that a transition is a rough time to be mm -hmm. getting mm -hmm. into graduate school. So it worked out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good. But I didn't know Roma had been there. Yeah. Yeah, he was there when I went. So this would have been in the... Early '80s, and Papa George was running the show. He was there. I think he was on leave, so he didn't interview me. He was he was not there. Um, I forgot who else was there. Joanne Walters was on the faculty then. Yeah, and uh, she was nice, but Tom was an asshole. Really? <laughs> yeah, he was. I told him. <laughs> I told him that. Um, oh man. You know, um, and he's you know he he makes jokes. Of, I mean, like he's a lovely man, and he's a really good teacher. But he makes jokes about it. He says, it's the best thing that ever happened to you that you didn't get in, you know. And, um, and it's true. It's true. I, I, if I had gotten into Yale, I don't know if I would have had the gumption to, 
let's say, not go to, you know, the Art Institute. I never would have met Larry Sultan. Yeah. So, fuck, it's all fine. Yeah, it all, all works fine. out. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. So, I mean, you're saying that he was an asshole, but I'm, I guess... <laughs> I was an asshole, too. I was, a, I was an idiot. <laughs> Were they just talking? Was he giving oh, you no, shit about your I work took, or I what? I took bad advice. Um, I had one... One person said, you know, who had been to Yale, yeah. said, you got to be tough. You got to stick to your guns. You're going to try to like, uh. and then Mitch mm-hmm. who gave me the good advice was just be yourself. Totally. Don't worry about it. Just go in. And if I listened to Mitch, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I would have been another story, but I didn't. So I tried to out Yale the Yaleys, and of course they crushed me. Oh, fuck. And um, yeah. Yeah. I, didn't, I don't know what's changed, but I mean, when I went in there, nobody like... They just asked me questions about myself, and they didn't say anything about the work, and they didn't like. Yeah, I think I think I think they're. But I was. My guess is the interviews, the the interviewing, and, and all of that has has evolved over the years, and yeah, I did critiques there maybe six years ago. Yeah, down in the uh, pool. Yeah, in the pit, and you know, it was Crudson and Todd was there, and 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 it was a really great discussion. Everybody was listening. Nobody was grandstanding. Uh, John Pilson was there too. That's where I got to meet him, and I really admired him. At least what he what he said and the way he talked. Students were great, but it was also like you know, it's a bit like you know, it's very uh, American Idol like. You yeah. know, the <laughs> so faculty sits in a, a row yeah, of desks. Totally. The work is behind you. Right. One student sits on a chair, and then behind him is like the rest of the class, but also an audience. Right, right, right. right. People it, anybody can come. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and um. But whatever it worked, and and I I you know I, I saw I sort of saw that yeah yeah this actually does work for certain artists. I think it hurts maybe s- others. It could hurt because it, it is a real pressure cooker. Sure, sure. Very very demanding. Um, yeah, and so I think I think there are always always some casualties, some people that go in and just it isn't the right isn't the right milieu um, and falter, you know, yeah. it's tough. It's, it's tough. gotta be hard. To very, very, it's very possible. And I think they intuit that. I think there is some intuition there that no, you know, possibly we love your work, but I'm not sure you can handle this mm-hmm. or it's not quite right for you. I think, there's a, I think there really is a little bit of that. And certainly, I think I, I would have, it would have it would have wrecked my head to use a great uh, one of my favorite Irish expressions. It would have totally wrecked my head. Probably w- was not the right place for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, Irish expressions a good way to jump into talking about the new work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I saw your shoulders slump. No, it's all right. Okay. No, not at all. <laughs> um, so you're are you? I mean, the two books of yours that I know. Is there a third? <laughs> is there a third? I mean, that, um, that I might have missed. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. But you're no, long no. for, man. There's there's a, a body of work that I did in Pennsylvania um, uh, um, in a small coal town called Avella yeah. that my father grew up in and my grandparents you know, raised the family. And I went back and I photographed there for a number of years. Um, in a way, it was a sort of prototype of what I did in Ireland. Um, and it never quite came together I, I, I it just kind of slipped through my fingers I couldn't quite figure out how to pull the work together and, w- and that was the time when I was living in New Mexico and that's when the isolation or yeah. my shyness versus you know in in mixed with that isolation 
and again, this is all pre-internet, and so it's you know it's, it's hard to yeah. reach out to yeah. people. Um, just really didn't do me any good, and I couldn't figure out how what to do with it. You know, if I if I was possibly in New York or wherever I had access to someone that was smarter than I was, that w- could have been a good editor, said, you know, really, it's this and this and this. Might have helped, but whatever. Um, so that body of work, I have debated about revisiting, you know. And it, it, it was as part of this Aperture show, so we use that yeah. between the family work and the Irish work. It, it really does speak to both. Um, I'm slightly interested in it again but yeah that's a that's an un we'll say it's an unpublished work pieces have been published here and there right on a double take did a chunk way back back in the day but you know well what i was going to say was that you know the um all the days and nights is 25 years yeah the new ones five years five years yeah Yeah. Uh, that's that's quick turnaround time for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. i did it in 20 percent of the time yeah 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 (laughs) Well, um, what's what took you to Ireland? What's going on there? It's an arbitrary invitation from um, a small art center there. Yeah. I met the director, I think it was at Houston Photo Fest. Um, and she just invited me. I just, the, the all, all the days and nights had not been published yet, but I, but I was working with Aperture on it, so I knew it was coming out. You know, she saw my cat. Yeah. And she said, I'd love to have you come out to Ireland. I do this art center, la, la, la. And I was like, sure, I guess. You know, had you been there before? No. I yeah. had no connection right. to Ireland. I didn't know what I was going to do. I almost, you know, and I'd never done a residency. I had done, I had just actually done a few years prior McDowell, which is wh- where I edited the book. Yeah, and that yeah. makes a lot of sense. But a residency where you actually, to make pictures, mm-hmm was a whole nother thing and I didn't know what I would do in Ireland or even why but it was you know it was a free trip and it was like what the hell and the book had just was just coming out so it was at a, at a sort of transitional moment looking for a, a, a something to work on I didn't really know where I was go- what I was going to do and uh, so I did um, and the one the one thing I did I, I made a stipulation and I sort of made it a, a sort of a hook for the residency, as I said, um, you know, connect me with a some group, you know, a local group. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. care what it is. And I wanted to, I, I was actually, I wanted to make a, uh, I wanted to do a teach a book class in Syracuse, and I wanted I wanted the students to make an online book, but I'd never done it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know anything about it really, and so I figured, why don't I do it on this residency? And I said, so get me connect me with a group, and we'll make a book. And we'll make a book together and we'll produce copies on Blurb because it's like, you know, 10 bucks a book and yeah, yeah. we'll make books. And she's like, great. And so I arrive and it, it, it's a group of kids. You know, they dropped out of school. They were, you know, they're kind of like, you know, marginally whatever, you know, um, not doing so great for various reasons, but they yeah. were really great. And it was, I think, eight of them. And we meet, meet once or twice a week and they had done some photography and we did a little shooting together. And we ended up making a book, and it was great. But and, and I was trying to photograph. I f- it was 2009, so the economy had collapsed. The Celtic Tiger was no more, and there was all these housing estates that were half empty or unoccupied, yeah. and all this construction. And so I was calling up contractors trying to do portraits of. I want again. It was Zond. It was very Zonder-esque. Was like 
I would imagine doing pictures of contractors next to the last thing they had built. Okay. You know, right on. And I tried, and yeah. nobody, no, I couldn't get through. You know, I think it was still pretty scary. Pretty raw. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I asked the kids to, in one of our meetings, right at the end, I said, "Look, I'm not making any pictures. I got two weeks left. Just take me, take me out tonight. Take me to where you hang out." Yeah. And that's where it started. Fuck. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So. And then how many? You know, just several trips every year. Well, you know, I did. Yeah. Well, yeah. So two weeks. Yeah. Two weeks. Two weeks in, I wanted out. I was like ready to go home. Yeah. <laughs> two weeks later, I'm asking her, "Can I come back next summer?" She's like, "Well, you know." I said, "Yeah, I think I got something going here. Can I come back for another month or six weeks?" And and that was five. Ye- did that for five years. Same kids. Same kids. Same neighborhood. Um, and I would go for about six weeks each summer. I mean, they c- it got to be that like the, the smaller kids just ex- assumed I would always come back. Oh yeah. Yeah, they just assumed it. They're like, wow, when are you coming back? And, uh, and um, it became, yeah, a thing. It was yeah, a thing. That's got to be a hard thing to wrap up. How do you put a finishing chapter on something like that? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's good. that's a good question. Um, well, you start to repeat. you know, And also there was a sort of gen- generation transition. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The totally. I, you know, when I was feeling it out, I, I kind of got a feel for kids that were a little, I wanted them a little older. I want little, little kids. I mean, oh, even though they would always run around and go, take my picture, you know, and I, I always had a digital camera, I'd just go, yeah. you know. And I would bring them back, you mm-hmm. know, I'd bring back um, pictures of everybody in the neighborhood and just give them away. Um, but I realized I wanted to concentrate on, on older kids, especially kids of, uh, of transitioning into adulthood. And um, so the kids that were like around 12 or 13, by the time it was beginning to wind down, we're now 17. And the 17-year-olds were now starting to have families. And so that felt right to stop around them. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but also things got, there were some issues, you know. Um, I got, I got, I had a run-in with social services in Ireland. Cause, and Overworking there? Well, it, one of, one of the, one family that I really loved that was actually in some ways a centerpiece of it. Yeah. It was a tough, you know, I knew the family, you know, the family had issues. Yeah. The kids were kind of amazing. And, um, the, the father was beating the mother, you know, kind of mercilessly. And one one of the kids called, finally called the police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, they, uh, the police basically just took took all the kids, yeah. and social services took all right, the kids. Right. And uh, I think the mother kind of, you know, th- again, this is unfortunately very, t- refused to press charges oh. on the father. So it just became a very bad, troubling thing. So so the kids vanished. So from one summer to the next, I, I'm like, where is everybody? And they, w- they weren't there. And, um, but I had, th- I had their pictures, you know, I had the pictures that I would have given them back from the previous summer. And so I, I was talking to another an, an, another kid in the neighborhood, Roy Sheen, who has cousins of this girl, Simone, that I really loved. It was part of this family, yeah. aptly called the Savages, Simone <laughs> Savage. Um, and there were like, you know, six kids. And it, they were all terrific, really kind of wild, but full of really good energy and kind of ruled the neighborhood. You know, yeah. they ran around like crazy and all that. Um, and I loved, I love Simone. She was really, if I could get her to like calm down and not like p- get pissed off and tell me to fuck off 
and she was really focused. I mean, she was great, the photograph. And so, you know, Roisin's like, oh, well, I know where Simone is, you know, she's with this foster family, blah, 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 blah. And I can call her up. And so I called up and I ended up talking to the foster parent mother yeah. and um, explained myself. And I said, I want to give pictures to Simone. And she's, well, I'd like to meet you first. I said, fine. And we drove out there, did it. And uh, the next day or two days later, we're up in the neighborhood and suddenly um, none of the mothers, the mothers took one look at us driving, driving out, we'd drive this little car because I photographed, you know, all that big equipment. Yeah. And um, they took a look, so, you know, saw the car, recognized it, and they all went in their house and shut the doors. Oh, shit. Locked like, out. I was like, what the hell just happened? What is that? That's never happened, ever. And I worked with his assistant for the whole time. It was an Irish kid, Ivan. It's like, Ivan, what the hell? What, did you see that? He goes, yeah. And I go, what, did we do something? That, that day I got a call from social services saying, yeah. you know, we want to know what your relationship is with Simone Savage. Oh, God. You know, blah, blah, blah. And I suddenly got, oh, shit. We'd like you to come down. We need to talk to you. You know, Simone is now a ward of the state and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh, fuck. And so Kubrick, I called Jim Goldberg, yeah. from Raised by Wolves. And right, right. And he's like, play ball. They, w they, will shut, they can shut you down. You play ball at them, whatever. We, we started to talk to lawyers. I oh had a release. God. I had releases, yeah. you know. Good job, um, Doug. <laughs> and, and I got grilled. And it was anything I could do. And, you know, cause every picture was a suspect. Wow, wow. We, what were you doing there? What do you mean? What do you mean they come and they ask pictures for you? What do you mean you give them pictures? How oh does that man. work? And it was just like, whoa. What a nightmare. It was rough. Fuck, man. I was like white-knuckled. I just, I was like everything. I just wanted to say, look, man, you know, I was, that's so, I was going, like all these crazy thoughts were running through my head. Like, you know, look, I'm sorry, you know, you, you know, if the priests aren't fucking your kids up the ass and the nuns aren't putting them in mass graves, you know, I'm sorry. I'm not part of that. I'm yeah. actually doing something yeah, good. Yeah, right. Totally. Yeah, you know, but, you yeah, know, yeah. Can I, but <laughs> I, I can't. I understand the, their context, and it was coming from the right place, and all, you know, I get it. But I was just like, oh, oh it was fuck. hard. Um, and, and then I realized the, the, the nature of social services in that neighborhood, I'm sure neighborhoods of, of that kind, is, you know, they're, they're, they, that's the group that can take your kids. So they're kind of a threat. I, and I can imagine how difficult it is to work in work in social services where you're trying to help people, but you're also can potentially yeah you know, bust and take your out. kids right. Yeah, totally. And so the fact that social services was questioning me photographing Simone, and I had photographed all their kids means, right? Oh, that guy photographed my kid. Whoa, you know. And suddenly, I was like persona non gratis yeah. out there. Uh, and I crossed a line that I didn't really know existed. Eventually, the advice that I got was just keep going up, and I did. I just kept going up, and eventually, people were cool. With one or two exceptions, people never quite forgave me for doing whatever, nothing. Um, but yeah, so you know, it, it made me understand really also that I was, you know, and I knew it. Uh, my my um, accessibility, the trust was very and always tenuous. Always, I will always, no matter how many years I photograph there or be there, I'm always going to be an outsider. Um, and that, you know, it's a, it's a very fragile, fragile relationship. 
and you can screw up a drop of a hat and just fuck it up without trying yeah without trying so that that was yeah that was a sign that i think i was i'm finishing i'm finishing this, this project and we did the exhibition after that in in the neighborhood went really well and then i and then i said to them at the exhibition they were because that's how I explained the work. They said, yeah. you know, what are you going to do with this? I yeah. said, well, we'll do an exhibition down at the art center. Right. You know, a familiar place. I mean, none of them ever went there, but they knew what it was. Yeah. And they said, oh, okay. And then we did it. And then, you know, it was really difficult to get the, at the exhibition. You know, I had to I had to go up to the neighborhood and almost drag people down to the opening because they didn't want to, they were like, they were nervous. They were like, well, well, I mean, one kid goes, will there be posh people there? And I'm like, no, no more posh than you. And one kid asked, "Will they laugh at me?" And I was oh like, oh, no. Fuck. You know, and I, you know, again, I, it's, it, it was apparent that within the neighborhood, those pictures are safe. Yeah. You know, they can make fun of each other. They can tease you. Sure, ah, sure. Ah, you look like, blah, you know, and all that's very safe. But once it goes outside, in a different audience, there's you know, the vulnerability of the image and, and everybody was, you know, it was really apparent. It was almost visceral. Um, and, and I began to realize that I have, I had two distinct audiences for this work that I had, I had to somehow figure out how to craft the work, um, to speak to the neighborhood and speak to people outside the neighborhood without betraying either. And that's hard. Yeah. And that's where also that I began to think about if I do a book that I need to do two editions, an edition for the neighborhood and a trade edition. And that's what we did, you know. And so the so w so after that exhibition, that the initial exhibition, this is like 2013, I said they said when are you coming back and I said I'm not coming back, it's kind of done. And and I said but the next time I come back I'll have a book. I'll yeah. have a book for you. Yeah. Except I didn't. <laughs> I came back the next year because during the whereas we were working on the book and and I wanted initially wanted to have um, I was trying to commission a short story by a, like an Irish contemporary Irish writer like Com Topi yeah, yeah everybody was turning me down um, talking with Leslie Martin we she suggested a graphic novel and that's how I met Patty I just Googled and yeah, discovered yeah. him and so I came back the next year but not with a book but with I said I don't have a book but I I got this guy who's gonna make a comic out of everything we did interviews and stuff and that's how it happened so right on yeah yeah yeah, yeah and i was i was probably even more nervous when we gave away the community book I, f I had these nightmares of either you know them like tearing up the book because they were because they never i didn't show everybody the book that would just be a ridiculous and would just mess it up so nobody nobody saw the comic sure and i was like how are they going to react to mm -hmm. this and um, yeah, it was a, it was scary. And I got confronted in the neighborhood before the day before we would do the giveaways. One woman, man, she was in my face. She was like, "I don't want to see your fucking book. You know, your those pictures are all over the fucking internet. Internet. The internet was like the 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 demon. You know, mm -hmm. was my kid's gonna pictures gonna be on the internet. You know, I'm like, well, I I do have a s website with my work and la la la, but." Some perv will get it, you know. Like, I don't think so. I don't think there's any picture here that any, you know, yeah, no offense well, to your child, any right, perv would want. Right. But that was like the thing. That was the the paranoia. Right. For, well, there's for that, certain parents. It's understandable. That thing that um, you know, it's an entirely different situation. But 
Sally Mann mentions talking sure. to an FBI investigator who says that people will fetishize a pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah. You know, so yeah. anything. Yeah, so but, absolutely. You know. So you're right, you're right, true. And and so there's <laughs> Lorraine, um, who was very nice for a few, few years until the social services thing came in. Yeah. She never, never quite got over that. And there were certain also families that refused to have their kids photographed, mm-hmm. which I did my best to respect, but occasionally they would just wander into the background sure. or yeah, something, yeah. you know? What can I do? Um, and she was just in my face, and she's like, I don't, you know, your fucking book, you know, you make us fucking look like knackers and blah, blah. And I had the book with me, and I said, Lorraine, here, here's the book. I want you to look at it. You tell me, tell me, like, you point out what's wrong with this. Yeah. She looks at me, and she takes it inside her house. Yeah. You know? And the door's open, and, and, I, and then I, I hear, I, they're laughing. You know, and they're laughing. Like she's like showing it to a neighbor, and they're all like, and they're laughing, and oh. and she comes out. She's kind of laughing, but she looks at me, and she goes stern again, and she just hands it back to me. And I go, okay, Lorraine, what was wrong with it? She doesn't say anything. And when we did the the giveaway and the signing, she came. She took five books. You know, holy cow! <laughs> so she right. still didn't say a word. I'm to sure me. she didn't. But, but once you she get took that five pissed books, off, you can't you know. apologize to somebody. No, you can't no, say it was you're all wrong. It was all fine, and and it worked, and 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 there were a lot of people that couldn't make it, and so I got tons of emails, and they just kept kept multiple copies there, and, yeah. and you know the book lives lives in the neighborhood, so it does have yeah. the safe context. That's great, that man. They can look at the book in their thing, and it's you know it has different meanings, and also I you know I like to imagine that it will go through generations. Totally, and, and you know, and and somebody said, like, "Well, that's your mo- that's me when I was your age, and that's your grandmother, and that's your whatever, and that book will will live and off a very special place in that neighborhood. That's really important." Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Well, now what? What are you now working what? on now? I'm not. <laughs> that's the thing. We're here in Virginia. We're here in Virginia. I'm at that uh, 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 sort of moment where I the. You know, we went really down to the wire in terms of on press, and part of it was the the comic took a long time to suss out. It was a lot of work, and Patty Lynch, who was the illustrator, really, really worked hard on it, really hard on it, and um, and, we, and it was a diff. The, so the, the and the comic is a is a. Three of the kids committed suicide during the five years oh that I was shit. there, and the book has a dedication to them. And the yeah. comic is about suicide obliquely, but it's based on stories we combined, you know, sort of neighborhood kids and stories that we got. And primarily, much of the narrative comes from one of the mothers of of one of the kids who killed himself. The first one actually, yeah. and um, um, that was hard to do. It was really hard to distill such a difficult idea and sensitive idea into a 14-page little graphic story um, within the book. But I think we did well. And the only person that saw it was the mother that gave us much of the stories. And we sent her a PDF of the comic before we committed to it in terms of publication just to make sure... And she was, she said, she said, I, I cried through the whole thing, but I had a smile on my face at the same time. And she said, it was great. And then she said, but why are there so many photographs? <laughs> <laughs> she wanted more stories. She loved the comic. So it was cool. 
Well, hey, it's been a real pleasure talking All to you. Right, I'm man. glad you could come and meet me. This was a lot of fun. It was good. Thanks, Dad. This episode of The Halftone was recorded June 17th, 2016 in Charlottesville, Virginia with the Halftone Mobile Recording Unit. Special thanks this week to the South Street Inn in Charlottesville, Virginia. Our theme music is by Daniel Bachman. I'm on Instagram at Eric Marth. And for more information on the show or to listen to older episodes, log on to www.thehalftone.org.